All right. Welcome, everybody. This is episode six of the Tucson Hockey Podcast. My name is Ryan D. Joe. I am the coaching director for the Tucson Junior Roadrunners, and we're very pleased today to have a former Coyote, an NHL veteran of 784 games, spent a lot of time playing internationally as well for the Czech Republic, and someone who's currently living and helping coach in the Phoenix area even after his playing career is over. We have someone also who was on the Tucson Roadrunners for their inaugural season in the AHL, Zabinik McCulloch. Zabinik, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, I, you know, right at the top here, this is the Tucson Hockey Podcast. So talk about your year with the Tucson Roadrunners in their inaugural season in 2016. Some of the things you remember about playing in the arena and being in kind of a newer hockey area and kind of being in the Coyote organization, but playing on the AHL affiliate and Mm -hmm. what the city of Tucson, what you remember about it and what it meant to you in your career. Uh, yeah, you know what, uh, obviously for me personally, uh, it, it, it wasn't an easy season, you know, after playing, uh, uh, you know, 11, 12 years in the NHL, uh, to go back down to minors and, you know, uh, kind of, that wasn't, was an easy transition for me personally, because, you know, in my age, I was, uh, you know, around, I don't know, 34, 35, and, you know, played a long time in the NHL to go back into the minors. It wasn't easy, easy for me to accept, you know, uh, especially early on, you know, for my mind and uh, my, you know, situation with my family. I have three small kids and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, thinking about, you know, I have me have, having to go to Tucson and them living in uh, Phoenix area. It wasn't easy, and uh, you know, early on, you know, it, it was tough for me to accept. But uh, you know, uh, when when the season started, I just uh, wanted to make the best out of the whole situation, and uh, you know, kind of you know, help the younger guys who you know they're just starting their professional career. You know, from top of my head, like a uh, couple of guys like Christian Fisher and Connor Garland. You know, uh, those were those guys were just starting and uh you know i just wanted to be there to help them and uh you know kind of lead by example and uh you know kind of do that because other than uh but you know i think it was a it was an interesting year and uh you know with everything that you know it was the first season of professional hockey in tucson and uh, a lot of things were trying you were being figured out on the go, I, I felt like. But, uh, you know, uh, all in all, I, you know, enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, we, we didn't have a great year. We didn't make playoffs. And uh, uh, we had a lot, a lot happening, too, during that season with Greg Cunningham and, you know, all that situation and a couple other things that, uh, you know, that I, I really have never experienced in my in my career before. So it was that was exciting. And, uh I spent a lot of time in the car, you know, driving back and forth between Tucson and 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 uh, my home in Scottsdale. So uh, that was it uh, was interesting too. Just uh, a lot of a lot of uh, time spent in the car. It was definitely a unique season in that it came together very quickly, mm-hmm. and then everything with Craig Cunningham. But one mm-hmm. thing I definitely wanted to ask you about was something you touched on. You were playing with guys like Connor Garland. Christian Fisher, Tony D'Angelo, mm-hmm. uh, even Anthony Duclair was down for a stint in that season. And mm-hmm. I know that was something that is talked about a lot in the NHL is to have veteran presence in the AHL to 
teach some of the younger players how to be a pro. And one thing you hear about is really the everyday approach and that that's something that someone like you brings for your experience in the NHL for so long. Is that something that you tried to instill on those guys was to put together a consistency day to day and a work ethic day to day and to tell the guys, especially someone like you who was undrafted, who started in the AHL, who had mm-hmm. a long NHL career and then went back to the AHL for that one season in Tucson. Were those some of the things you were trying to teach some of those younger guys? Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I went through it. And uh, for me, especially as an undrafted player, you know, I, I had to bring something extra, maybe, you know, uh, work harder than everybody else, like uh, show that, uh, you know, that, that I want to be there, you know, every single day. And like, like, like you said, to be consistent, you know, like uh, bring it every single day, uh, be ready to work and try to improve yourself, you know, on daily basis. And, uh, you know, even if it's on the ice, off the, off the ice, doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's one thing that, like I said, uh, I wanted to be there for those guys uh, during the year in Tucson and show them what it takes. Uh, you know, it's it's a grind, but uh, it's, it, at the end, it can be a great great reward. And it's really rewarding to, uh, you know, after you put in the hard work to see yourself yourself succeed. So, uh, you know, I know that transition from uh, juniors to professional hockey can be sometimes very, very tough. And uh, guys are living on their own for the first time. They're moving to a new city. Uh, they may be moving to a new country from Canada or Europe. And I, I went through it myself too. So I, I know it's not easy and it's always good to have somebody you can lean on. And, uh, uh, you know, that's why I, you know, wanted to, have, you know, be there for those guys. Uh, you know, I wanted them to ask questions. I wanted them to, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, lead by example, like on the ice, off the ice, just uh, even though that, uh, you know, it was a great situation for me. I didn't want, you know, want to kind of transfer it on them and uh, bring them down. I want to do the opposite and kind of, you know, mentorship them a little bit and uh, help help them along the way. And that's something you see now. I'm sure you still keep an eye on those guys, especially being in the Phoenix area, seeing Connor Garland lead the Coyotes in goals this year. And see, I remember his first games in professional hockey uh, mm-hmm. when I yeah. was there for his first season. I, and I'm sure you also had some something similar to a conversation of, hey, guys, I've been playing in Phoenix a long time. I live in Scottsdale. You're going to enjoy playing professional hockey in Arizona in the winter. I'm sure that's something that was probably discussed considering yeah. you have kids coming from my, you know, the the hockey leagues in Canada or mm-hmm. from other places, and especially someone like you who spent time playing in Minnesota and Pittsburgh, which is uh, kind of the area of the country I grew up in too. I'm sure uh-huh. that was that was part of the talk you had, and hopefully it was a season that a lot of people enjoyed in Tucson. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and uh, you know, uh, it, to see to see them come such a long way, and now uh, you know having success in, at the NHL level, it's it's great to see, and they're uh, they're you know talking about those two two guys, Fisher and Garland. They're you know great kids and. Uh, great players and they, they uh, you know, maybe coming in, they didn't have the best habits, you know, but over time you could see that they were, they were, uh, you know, learning and changing everything. And uh, it's so, so good to see them having success and being, uh, you know, regular NHL players and uh, having success at NHL level. And, 
it's 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 so good and you know i couldn't be more uh, more happier for those guys and i wish them best of luck going forward too definitely and talking about your career you talked about it a little bit about being an undrafted player and given that it's appropriate the draft is going on here was we're recording on wednesday mm-hmm. that you were an undrafted player who played in the quebec major junior league and then worked your way up to the AHL ranks and even won a Calder Cup in 2003 in Houston and then had a very long career. And your brother was the sixth overall pick, your younger brother, Milan, who was the sixth overall pick a couple years later. But both of you ended up playing about 780 games in the NHL. So talk about Mm -hmm. what your journey was like and what you remember about your brother's journey being a first round pick and being a very top pick, uh, a top Mm -hmm. 10 pick. Yeah. Uh, couldn't be uh, couldn't be more different, right? Our paths, but uh, you know, it both it led us to the same place. We both made it to the NHL, and uh, uh, you know, that was something that uh, you know we are so proud of, and our whole, whole family is so proud of that. Uh, you know, two brothers from small town in uh, in Czech Republic, you know, growing up in the village, uh, you know, growing up on a farm, and uh, you know uh, that we both made it to the NHL. It was something that, uh, you know, we, we can be proud of and tell our kids and grandkids and, uh, on and on. And I know our parents are really proud of that too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just worked out that way. Uh, you know, first, my brother was always, uh, always the one that's, uh, you know, stood out from early ages. He was always the bigger kid and he always played against older boys and uh we are two years apart and a lot of time growing up we actually spent on the same team because he uh he was better than everybody his age group and uh he played two years up you know with boys two years up and even uh, older after that so we spent a lot of time playing together which was uh something you know it was pretty cool you know to have, have my younger brother on, on the same team growing up and uh uh so he was always, uh, you know, big prospect and he was playing in, you know, national teams under 15, under 16. And uh, I think he made his debut debut in uh, in the Czech uh, Extraliga, which is a top top level professional hockey in the Czech Republic when he was 15 and, uh, you know, playing against uh, men, you know, and he was uh, he was only 15 and but he was good enough. You know that uh, they gave him chance, and uh, he started playing in that league when professional league when he was uh, when he was 15, and uh, so you could tell that he was a big uh, big prospect. And uh, you know, then he went on to to uh, to get drafted by San Jose Sharks in first round. So uh, I was really proud of him and happy for him. I was there at the draft and uh, went through the whole experience with him, and uh, you know, it was uh, something that. Uh, that uh, I'm, I'm really proud of him and happy for him. And for myself, uh, I was to- totally the opposite. I uh, actually never played on any national team growing up. I was never, uh, you know, mentioned as a some kind of prospect. I, you know, actually almost, you know, quit playing hockey when I was 15 because I had no team to play for. And uh, uh, oh yeah, I was already accepted to, to school that I was going to study and uh, not really, you know, play hockey or just play hockey for, like lower level, like junior team. And, uh, you know, it turned up I had a chance came along to go play in a major junior uh, team in, in Canada, in Quebec. And, uh, you know, I took it. I took the risk, uh, quit school, you know, uh, 
obviously my parents had to give me green light. I was 17 at the time. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, that saved my career, you know, that made my career. And if I didn't make a decision to, you know, quit school and, you know, give it a chance to, to play major juniors, I would never, never play professional hockey. I'd never play hockey probably at all. So, you know, it's funny how it en- ended up, but, uh, yeah, I think, I guess, I think, uh, a lot of, uh, perseverance and uh, a lot of hard work. I think that's that's uh, you know I never quit believing that I could I could make it. I never quit believing that I'm I'm good enough and uh, to make it. And you know I stuck with it. I kept going and uh, I went through some hard times. You know and I'm not gonna lie. When I was 17 and moved to Canada, I didn't have you know any friends around. You know I didn't have my parents parents around. I you know everybody spoke different language and. It, it was tough, and you know there were there were there were nights and days where where, where I cried, and you know I'm where it was it was definitely tough, but you know uh, I got through it, and you know it the payoff was great. Like I said, you know when you stick with it, you work hard. You know you you get rewarded a lot of times, and I was lucky enough that uh, that you know it it worked out for me well. And that's a big thing that we've talked about with some of the other guests I have and talking about NHL players and their path is that it's a lot of hard work, but that internal belief, that internal confidence that you belong in these leagues and you belong to be playing with the best players. And that's something that's carried people through. I talked about it with Alex Kinkoff in our first episode. He's the beat writer for the Coyotes now and used to mm-hmm. cover uh, the Roadrunners talking about kind of the difference between Lawson Krause and Connor Garland, where they were drafted how they worked at their games. And that was something you got to see, uh, at least with Connor Garland. But even so, mm-hmm. we talked about how their confidence was still always there, that they believe yeah. they belong. And that was kind of the fuel they had to keep working hard to know that their shot was going to come, their chance was going to come, and that they belonged mm-hmm. to be in the NHL. And it sounds yeah. like it was much the same for you, even from a young age. Yeah, yeah, kind of. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Like now talking with some some of my uh, teammates some of the older guys and we are talking about the young kids now coming up and uh, it's funny like uh, you know the, the hockey changed so much over the last you know 10 5 you know 5 years and it's it's a young man's game and you know when i was starting up uh, most of the team was uh, you know 30 and over and there was guys 35 and older on the team and uh, you know only only few young guys that get get a chance and now it's totally different you know I, the whole team is pretty much all the teams are pretty much 30 and younger and uh the young it's young man's game right now and it's all about speed and uh you know quickness and uh it's it's different and uh you know i remember you know me starting as a young guy and other young guys like we were just you know sitting quiet in the corner like uh uh we would barely say a word you know and we were like picking up box at the end of the practice and we had to help the trainers with the bags and like stuff like that. And now it's, uh, it, it's funny, you know, we, 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 we say like how, how different the game is now. And, uh, uh, young guys coming in at 18 after draft, you know, 19, and they're like so full of confidence, you know, they're, you know, so loud and like, they're so confident, you know, they're talking to everybody and, uh, it's, it's, it's different, you know, it's, it's totally different. It, it, the culture in hockey and, Everything around it changed so much that uh, you know these these young guys coming in and uh, even even that are training you know they're coming in you know such a great shape like they they're coming so strong and they have so much muscle and they're so fast so quick that uh, you know there was no way I was there when I was eighteen and 
you know, everything like moved along so quickly, uh, you know, that the training, everybody has, has their personal trainer now. They have their personal skating coach, their personal skills coach. They have the, you know, video guy that, you know, runs them through, you know, breaks down their game. And, you know, we didn't have that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't have any of that growing up. And even like starting my professional career, there was, you know, I didn't have any, any anything like that and uh so the, the, these guys are lucky and uh uh you know they deserve they deserve where they are because the game is is tough now and uh there's you know a lot of kids playing hockey and at a high level and to make it to the nhl you don't have to be you really have to be one of the best of the best you know it's it's amazing it's 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 great to watch I guess the best way to say it is they are still teenagers for as professional and as regimented as their career has been leading up playing major junior hockey. They are still teenagers and uh, mm-hmm. lessons in humility are definitely needed for that mm-hmm. age demographic. Uh, no, yes. I, uh, <laughs> uh, no, something you touched upon was the changing of the game. And I think you came along at a very interesting time in the early part of your career in that you had a taste of the NHL and were playing in the AHL pre-lockout and then really started your career post lockout. And mm-hmm. to me, that's a very interesting time in that you, you know, someone yeah. like me who was a casual fan, you got to see a, a real big change in mm-hmm. not only the way the game was played coming out of the lockout, but then how teams reacted with how they drafted and how they developed. Is that something that you noticed too, or you, you, you actually got to see in your coaching staff because you were with Minnesota at the time and then mm-hmm. with Phoenix about how the preparation changed, how the actual X's and O's of the game changed post lockout. Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, that lockout was a big change. I know that uh, a lot of older guys lost their jobs and, you know, there was a, you know, younger, younger guys came in and took their jobs and the game, you know, with the new rules, there was no more holding, grabbing, no more hooking. It got more open and, uh, it got a lot faster and that's that's when the change began and uh everybody got more serious about video and uh breaking down breaking down the game and uh little details of the game and uh you know uh skating skating coaches began the skills coaches began you know showing up around and uh analytics were starting slowly and uh you know, there was uh, there was when when the game uh, started to change for sure after that uh, lockout and when the whole season was wiped out. So, yeah, that was uh, I think that was the beginning of the of the change. And especially you as a defenseman, something I remembered as a casual fan pre lockout and even going back, um, I'm roughly your brother's age. I'm 35 now, but I remember mm-hmm. the way the game was in the mid 90s and even the early 90s is compared to coming out of the lockout. And especially for someone playing defense, the, the two big things I noticed were that the dump and chase game changed in that back in the day, it was something that was used to just say, all right, well, we're going to score on the rush and we have guys that can score on the rush. When we can't, we're going to dump it in. We'll set up our defense. We'll live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. How it changed post lockout was you had so much speed in these wingers and it was, especially with your bottom six wingers, it's okay. You guys are going to dump. And what you're going to do is you're going to skate as fast as you can and put your body on the defenseman that touches mm-hmm. the puck. So yep. you guys had a lot more physicality in having to try and break the puck out and a lot more, uh, a, a much sped up decision process. And then also the emphasis on shot blocking. Mm-hmm. 
which -hmm. is something you really didn't see. I remember growing up very often where guys sacrificing their body to get into the shooting lane to take it. And you as someone who is one of the best at that in the history of the NHL, as I remember Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. blocking shots to me, those were two huge changes, especially playing defense. Is that something you remembered as an evolution and something that you maybe didn't do as much growing up, just given the time frame and the era that you played in growing up. But then once you got to the pros, things you had to actively work on to stay in the pros and be an effective pro and as effective as yeah. you were. Yeah, no, yeah, you're 100% right. I feel the same way. And uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, I think that, you know, back uh, early in my career, it was, uh, you know, every team had like do skills guy, skill guys, you know, like top two lines were always like skill guys that could play nice skilled game, puck position game. They tried to, you know, uh, play more with the puck and uh you know third and fourth line were there to you know like you said dump and chase they they usually are bigger guys and back back then you know some tough guys usually that could fight to to at least two or three guys on each team and there was a lot of fighting especially in the american league you know starting i remember like there were some really big big guys you know big tough guys and they were scary and you know i was just starting up i was 19 and uh I, I wasn't very big or heavy at that time, and uh, you know it was scary. It was scary, but uh, you know it made me tough for sure. And uh, you know going to some places, uh, you know uh, it wasn't easy to go back for the puck. You know going to the corner, knowing that you know two big guys are chasing me, and they don't really care about the puck. You know they just want to push you through the boards, and uh, uh, you know the, the, their job would be done. So uh, that definitely made me tough, and. Uh, uh, you know, then, uh, then it changed, you know, and you can see now, like, uh, now all four lines, you know, they pretty much are, everybody needs to skate. Everybody needs to make plays with the puck. Everybody needs to hit, everybody needs to block shots, you know, talking about block shots now. And I know there are coaches in, in the NHL that, that demand it. They don't, they don't care who you are. You know, you still have to put, you know, your body on the line, even if it's, uh, you know, taking a hit to make a play or blocking a shot or, you know, whatever, sacrificing, you know, yourself for the team. And uh, uh, that's a big part of the game now. And uh, for me, for me personally, uh, I, I actually didn't grow up uh, or like early in my professional career, I was more known or used on like offensive side of the game. I was like a offensive more of an offensive demon, you know, maybe not a first power play, but second power play, I would play more power play than PK actually. And, uh, even my first season in NHL, my full, my first full season in NHL with the Coyotes, uh, I, you know, I remember like playing, uh, a lot power play, even, you know, five on three, I was in the power play. And, you know, it was the reason I think my first full season, I scored like nine goals because I played on power play a lot, but then, you know, more talented guys uh, were drafted, like or signed as a free agent. I remember Ed Jovanovski and Keith Yandel and OEL, and those guys just had more talent than me. You know, offensively, they, uh, you know, they were better with the puck. They saw the ice better. You know, and they took over the power play. And you know, for me, if I wanted to, you know, keep my job and you know keep playing in the NHL, I had to adjust. And uh, one of the things that you know i really worked on and took a pride in was my defensive game and uh, i you know pretty much my whole career i'm uh, i was matched up against the top lines from the other teams uh you know on nightly basis and you know that 
I took it every game as a challenge, you know, to play against really against the best of the best, against the best teams, best players from each team. It was a huge challenge for me. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, as my career went on, you know, I, I, I was like so, so proud. And, you know, when I, when I had a good game and I stopped those guys, you know, because to play against, it's not easy to every night to play against the best lines. And, uh, you know, I took it as a challenge and, uh, you know, blocking shots was, was part of it. I, I, I felt like it helped me, you know, in, in doing my job. And uh, I think my teammates appreciated me more too because I was putting it on the line, my you know, on my body on the line every single night and doing whatever it took to, to help the team, team, team win. So, uh, yeah, just uh, whatever 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 I could do to, you know, help my team and uh, keep my job. Definitely. And you, you had a very storied career and played on a lot of really good teams. You got to spend a couple of years in Pittsburgh playing with guys like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and playing in St. Louis for a little bit and spending a lot of years with uh, the Coyotes. And you also mm-hmm. spent some time in the AHL with Houston. So just to pivot a little bit, talking about a place like Houston and a place like Phoenix, where they're not at the top of people's list for hockey cities. Talk a little bit about playing in those two cities and what you liked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you played in places like Pittsburgh and St. Louis and Minnesota, which are very passionate, very old school hockey towns. They've had professional hockey for forever. And yeah. hockey's part of the culture there. And going to places like Houston and Phoenix, where maybe it wasn't as much part of the car- culture, but you had a lot of hockey there. And even now, living in the Phoenix area now, what you've seen in the growth of hockey in the Phoenix area over the years that you've been here. Yeah, I guess uh, I've experienced it all, right? And uh, even my junior hockey, you know, playing in Canada, major junior, you know, in Quebec, in the small town, you know, that's <laughs> uh, it's like a religion, right? Those those people, they, 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 they love hockey. They, you know, they watch hockey in the morning, midday, evening, they, they live hockey. And uh, same for places like, especially Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh too now with uh, um, Crosby and Malkin, you know, when after they came in, you know, that, that place is all about hockey too. And uh, St. Louis, Minnesota, obviously, state of hockey there. They love hockey in those, both those cities too. So uh, those, those are places that, you know, those are true hockey hockey hotbeds, and it's fun. It's fun to play uh, there, and they're great organizations too. And so uh, I really enjoyed it. And you know, talking about uh, Houston and Phoenix on the other side, uh, uh, it was it was uh, interesting. You know, playing hockey in a warm climate. You know, I you know when I first got to Houston, I was only nineteen, and I, I it was like uh, December or January, and it was you know, 80 degrees outside and sunny. I'm like, you know, wearing shorts and t-shirt. And, uh, that was something that <laughs> it was, it was like, so, uh, weird to me. I, you know, I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like I'm wearing uh, shorts and t-shirt and it's uh, it's January and, uh, I'm going to hockey practice. And, uh, uh, but over time, you know, you get used to it and you just, uh, you know, do your job. And obviously there is probably a lot of distractions too, because there is a lot to do in the, you know, you know, on your downtime and, uh, you can go golfing and I don't know, there's so many other things you can do, you know, that you wouldn't be allowed to do in other places that are cold. So, uh, but it, it just tells you like how much the hockey has grown and now it's really being played, uh, anywhere and, uh, all over us and, uh, you know, even 
places like uh, Texas or Arizona and um, just uh, great to see and uh, just tells you like how hard it is to make it all the way because there are so many players from all over the place that, you know, trying to, you know, make it to the NHL, trying to play professional hockey or even make it to college level or junior, major juniors. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's so many players everywhere and uh, uh, it's great. I think the hockey is growing so much and just the, seeing it here in, in the Phoenix area where, uh, you know, when I, when I come to Iceland, you know, or any, any, any other rink in the Valley and I see the parking lot is full. I feel like there is not even one open parking spot and uh, the place is packed and you see so many kids on the ice and, you know, there's, you know, smiling and they're having fun and, you know, it's great. And, you know, it's great to see. And uh, it, it shows that even at the talking about the draft, you know, now you have kids, you know, being drafted, you know, so many players, you know, even like high, high draft picks from California, from, you know, growing up in Texas, growing up in Florida, growing up in Arizona, you know, that uh, it wasn't the case before, like 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. And now you can see the growth of hockey in, in those places. And uh, I think, uh, you know, talking, I can, you know, talk from my experience here in uh, in, in Arizona, just, uh, I think, coaches like now there's a lot of ex-players that play the game that you know live here and they now are coaching you know youth hockey and uh kids are getting good you know good coaches and i think that makes a big difference and uh uh it's great to see when you have like competitive hockey in in town in state you can play against good teams and they that makes you better too because maybe 15 years ago you didn't have that you maybe had a one good team and that was it and you had to travel you know out of state to play you know another good team but now it's uh you know we have every birth year two three decent teams that you can play each other and uh that makes it makes the kids better too so it's uh, it's nice to see and uh i i i hope it keeps growing that way and you know one one place that definitely can uh can help with that is in tucson i i feel like it's a great uh, great place that you know that can grow that uh, i'm sure the if, if the only place is missing is another, you know, ice sheet. If they had a little practice arena in in, in Tucson, uh, that would be great. Uh, I'm sure it would be great for minor hockey. It's a big city, and uh, uh, the interest would be there. So I, I hope that one day it happens uh, down there too, and it would be another another place to grow hockey in Arizona. Definitely, and we are waiting for the day when it happens. I still say yeah. it's it's a when. Not if uh-huh. I'm, I'm yeah. staying optimistic here. Um, no, but I, I, I see what you're saying. And, you know, in your connection to Tucson hockey a little bit beyond your year playing for the Roadrunners was uh, you and I got to coach in a game together. It was a 10 game. We brought a mm-hmm. Tucson team up to scrimmage your son's team. Mm-hmm. And you were on the bench and I, you know, my Tucson kids, they knew who you were. They <laughs> uh, the, from the first year in Tucson. I mean, that was why I remember I had a couple of kids on that team who started playing hockey that first AHL season, we have the Little Howlers program, which is prevalent yeah. in Phoenix as well. And they were going to Roadrunner games and they wanted to start playing hockey, seeing guys like you play for the Roadrunners and mm-hmm. wanting to get involved. And they started that Little Howlers program. And then a couple of years later, they're playing against your son and playing up in Scottsdale against the Junior Coyotes. And you had a Junior Coyote, Junior Roadrunner game, which is always fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I love those buildings up there. And, going up and playing and our, our kids yeah. like to 
go up there as well. And I, I always say there's a definitely a universality of youth hockey. And that's something that I definitely wanted to talk to you about. You touched on it earlier that you and your brother grew up in a small farming community in the Czech Republic. And one thing that I wanted to ask you about and to talk about was your start playing youth hockey, growing up playing with your brother in a small town, and some of the similarities you see between now going to the rink in Scottsdale, bringing your kids there, and basically what to me, it it's almost like you are placeless when you're inside the hockey rink. It seems probably most of it is similar than Scottsdale as opposed to where you grew up in the small town. Once you have a bunch of kids in a rink, it's the same no matter where you go. So talk a little bit about growing up in the small community, going to the rink, playing with your brother, and some of the similarities and differences you see now being in a huge metropolis like Phoenix and playing in a big three-sheet building like the Ice Den in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you said it right. Like once, once you step on the ice, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're in a big city or a small city, it doesn't matter. You just go on the ice and as a kid, you know, try to have fun, try to work hard and have fun. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all the hockey is all about. You know, kids should be having fun. They should be smiling and, uh, you know, enjoying their, their time with their teammates. And there's nothing better than that. And hockey is, you know, great sport that, you know, teaches you good, good life lessons too. If nothing, if you, you know, don't make it, you know, long-term professionally, it teaches you good lessons and teaches you, uh, you know, good teamwork and uh, be a you know good teammate and be respectful to one another and uh, you know it, it's great and uh, uh, you know growing up in the small town in in the Czech Republic uh, it was obviously uh, you know tough to even you know make a team like we uh, we were you know so happy to put like three lines together because. Uh, you know, hockey was popular, but growing up in a small town, it wasn't easy to, you know, have like 15, 20 kids together. I think, you know, a lot of times we uh, maybe had 13 kids, you know, on the team and uh, uh, it gave us a lot of ice time. And uh, one, one, one actually cool thing about, you know, growing up there is that uh, we spent a lot of time. We went to like a special school which uh, in the class, it was only our team and nobody else. Like we had no girls in, in our class. We had no other kids at all besides our team. So it was like maybe group. We, I think we had like 17 of us uh, total that we were like, you know, we were in school together every single day in elementary school until the ninth grade. Uh, every single day in school, we were, we, so we would do everything. We would play hockey together. We would uh, go to school together. We would spend our, you know, off time together playing, you know, mostly uh, ball hockey, you know. Uh, so, and we are friends until this day. Like every time I go back home to check, uh, we always hang out and uh, with those guys, even though, you know, we live like so far apart and, you know, our lives are so different now, but we still uh, hang on to those memories from our childhood and, uh we are still good friends and you know we we have a group on uh whatsapp and we always uh uh keep in touch that way and uh uh so it's uh it's those are great memories for me and uh you know growing up like i said in a small town and uh now you know going through the same uh with my son uh obviously it's it's a lot different now and uh especially in the big city like phoenix and uh you know, I remember, you know, growing up, like my parents, uh, they would never 
you know, they wouldn't drive me to the rink. You know, I, I would always have to take a bus, you know, city bus to go to the rink. And uh, the one thing that was a lot easier was that we had our own locker room, even from like early age. Each, each team had their own locker room, so we didn't have to carry our hockey gear home and we would just leave it at the rink. So that was a lot easier. So uh, my parents would never, you know, come to the rink. They were busy enough at home, you know, on the farm working. So, uh, you know, uh, we would just take a bus and go to practice and come back on the bus again. And uh, But every game they would be there. They would support us every single game. My, my parents would take the time. My dad even traveled a lot with us, you know, to away games or tournaments. And the parents had a good group too. Uh, so now it's, you know, growing up here, I couldn't imagine to, you know, send my, my son on the bus, to on the city bus and, with his hockey gear, with his hockey bag, and send him, you know, to go to practice. So it's way different now. And obviously, uh, in the big city, you have so many kids, you know, wanting to play hockey. And uh, so it's it's very competitive from from early ages and maybe even too much. Uh, I'm not a big fan of, you know, these tryouts and picking teams. And I think it puts a lot of stress and uh, uh, on kids in early ages, uh, which... Um, I think hockey just should be about, you know, having fun. Yeah, they should be working hard and having fun. And uh, I think, you know, this whole picking teams and tryouts and stuff, it's, 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 it's tough, especially on kids when they're like eight, nine, ten. You know, I think it's, uh, I don't think the system is great, but I don't know what other way to do it because you have so many kids, right, in, in such a big city. So, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's fun to being fun to be a part of it, definitely. And I hope my uh, you know want to have my son to have fun and enjoy it, and all the other kids too. Like now, I'm you know helping coaching, like you said, and I uh, just want the kids to enjoy it, have a good time, and uh, you know when they come to the ring, you know put the work in, uh, start you know uh, you know you're part of the team. You should you know do your best and uh, uh, you know have fun. And just out of curiosity, what kind of farm did you live on growing up? Uh, we we didn't have a huge farm, but we had we had a lot of land, and uh, so uh, we probably had I don't know maybe eight to ten uh, cows. We had we used to have pigs, uh, we had rabbits, we had chickens, uh, we had turkeys. So uh, it wasn't huge, but uh, you know we didn't have any help, so it was. Uh, just my dad, you know, full time. My mom had a normal job, so she would help out in the morning and the evening. But during the day, she was in her, you know, normal day job. And my grandparents would help too, uh, you know. So it was mostly my dad and my my grandparents on their own, you know, doing all the work. So uh, for me and my brother, we always had to help too, and it was always uh, work. And after that, we could go and have fun. But every time, like we're, we're my parents needed help. Like we had to, you know, be there and, uh, uh, we were taught that way that, you know, it's work first, then we can go have fun. And I think that that was a good uh, life lesson too, you know, going forward that, you know, taught us well and taught us to work hard and enjoy little things. And, uh, uh, we always knew you have to earn everything, you know, nothing is for free in life and they have to work, work for it. And, uh, uh, I think that helped us a lot, you know, and it was a good, uh, good experience to have. And when you live on a farm, you have to wake up ready to work. 
I, yeah. I don't have the same experience you did. My father had a couple of horses. We had a small horse farm with some borders. And one of the mm-hmm. things I had to do for a lot of years growing up was you have to wake up and then feed the horses, water the horses, clean the stalls before you eat breakfast and then get the mm-hmm. luxury of having to go to school. So it does instill a good work ethic of right when you wake up, you got to be ready to yeah. do something before you even start your day and uh, yeah. put in you that work. And, and, and again, hockey teaches a lot of good life lessons. It's like that too. You hear the same words over and over again. It's hard work. And especially mm-hmm. for someone like you and your brother who made it to the pros is when you get to the game situation, sure, everybody wants to win, but can you find that emotional fuel and the energy to train as hard as you can to make sure those last couple of reps when you get better are what really separate you? Are you ready mm-hmm. to have the same kind of intensity every day in practice? And how are you able to find some energy when maybe you're not having the best day to make sure that you are improving every day is a big thing. And I know that's something yeah. you as a, a pro hockey player, you got to see. And we talked about it earlier when you were instilling those things in some of the younger roadrunners when they came up. Mm-hmm. So again, one thing I wanted to definitely talk to you about, and you talked about growing up, is that there was a very significant event that happened in your country in 1993. And as you as a 10, 11-year-old kid, you, you, got, you saw that there was a historical event, and I know mm-hmm. this is for my youth hockey groups who these kids can, they can all Google it, was you had the Czech Republic and Slovakia split on, I believe it was January 1st, 1993, which is something mm-hmm. I casually remember as a young man. But uh, I, you know, and growing in a farm community might not have affected you as much, but it's just an interesting perspective to see you have this connection with kids all over the world because you're playing hockey, whether it's Phoenix, whether it's your small town in the Czech Republic, but to go through that kind of event as a nation, uh, what do you remember about that specifically? Just to talk something even non-hockey related. Yes. Uh, you know, I, w- I was, uh, yeah, I was about just turned 10 and, uh, you know, I remember there was actually, uh, pretty peaceful like really peaceful there was no no fighting no you know it was more of a political decision back then and uh uh you know people in czech and slovakia they you know we still like each other we are like brothers and uh there was you know it was just a political decision i think uh uh each country thought they're gonna do better on their own and uh you know it's uh i think the bigger change that happened was 1989 you know when when the communism regime finally fell down and when when the berlin wall wall you know went down in in, Ger- in germany and then after the same thing happened in czechoslovakia and, and and the communist regime went down and the borders opened up finally and people started living you know free lives and that, that was that was a bigger change you know in 89 than the 93 93 was more you know uh, about you know that political decision and uh that that you know yeah obviously like Czechoslovakia separated in two countries but uh uh you know in the bigger picture I think the 89 you know communism going down there was you know much bigger events than than the 89-93 split uh uh so I you know finally being able to you know leave the country and be free you know it was huge and I remember like us in early in the 1990s, going, you know, first time to vacation with my parents to uh, former Yugoslavia on the sea, uh, it was, it was, you know, big event, you know, for everybody, finally being able to leave the country and go on a vacation. And, you know, my parents, you know, they, 
you know, they were in their thirties or forties and they're finally like able, able to leave, you know, Czechoslovakia and go travel. That was probably, uh, just so, you know, life changing event for them and for everybody. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of things happened in, in that, uh, that era. And, uh, I'm, you know, so glad it's, uh, it's all behind us and people can live their lives freely now. And, uh, Czech Republic is a, you know, a country where people live freely and, you know, democratic state. And, uh, so I'm glad that, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, growing up in a country like that. And, you know, I've heard a lot of stories from my parents or, you know, uh, my grandparents, you know, them growing up and, you know, their life, you know, it wasn't that easy. So I'm fortunate enough to not to have to experience it for, uh, many years and, uh, I hope it will never, I'm sure it will never happen again, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it was definitely tough. Oh, very significant events. I'm glad we got to educate our youngsters a little bit that are going to listen <laughs> to this podcast about some world events, including mm-hmm. the fall of the Berlin wall and the fall of communism and the USSR, yeah. one of the biggest events, yeah. if not, uh, you know, the biggest event of the latter half of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So just Definitely. to, just to pivot it back to hockey a little bit, talking about the Czech Republic, I, I just wanted to ask you flat out, is there any bigger honor for a hockey player than to put on the sweater for your home country? Something you did many times mm-hmm. and twice in the Olympics and with your brother. Yes. No. And that was, that was a huge honor for me. And, uh, you know, growing up, uh, as a player in, uh, you know, in, in Czech Republic early on in early nineties and, you know, I was, uh, I was a teenager, you know, uh, like I said, communism just went down and we didn't really have, you know, NHL on TV. We, you know, there was maybe, you know, we maybe have five, six channels on TV. That was it. And we never got NHL. Maybe we, they showed like few highlights. I think that's, uh, when, uh, Jaromir Jagr was starting his career in Pittsburgh and they won those, uh, Stanley Cup back to back Stanley Cup. That's first time I, remember like people really paying attention to NHL and, you know, seeing some highlights and, uh, some games were trying to starting to be televised a little bit. But for me as a, as a small kid, you know, growing up, I, you know, I never, uh, dreamed of, you know, playing in the NHL. My dream was to play for national team because that was always the big thing on TV and everybody wanted to be, you know, that national team player. And, uh, so for me to, to put that sweater on and, you know, represent my country was something special. And it was a dream come true for me for sure. And I, I was, it was a proud moment for me to put that Jersey on and, you know, represent, I think, uh, I played at five world championships. I played at two Olympics and, uh, one world cup. So, uh, uh, those are always good memories. And, uh, you know, like you said, I got to share a lot of that with my brother too. We played, we were lucky enough to play at, two Olympics together and world cup and I think one or two world championships. So, um, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, to, to, you know, wear your national team Jersey and play with your brother, um, you know, those are moments that, you know, you cherish and you remember for the rest of your life. And, uh, yeah, I've had some, some good memories and always, uh, always a good group of guys too. Nice to see everybody, you know, during the season, there was, you know, you play against those guys a lot maybe you say hi to them or sometimes I would go to dinner with them and we played some other city and I knew somebody from Czech Republic, you know, we would go to dinners, but 
to be all of us on the same team, speaking speaking the same language. Uh, you know, it was always fun and uh, definitely a great moment in my career. And I wanted to ask you about the level of play in those tournaments, especially the Olympic Games in 2010 and 2014, and even mm-hmm. probably still the World Cup. Talk about the difference in just level of play, given the rosters and basically mm-hmm. taking the best players in the world and divvying them up into their country. And yeah. you played in the playoffs, you've in the NHL, you've played, you played a lot of years and to play in those, especially the 2010 and 2014 Olympic games, mm-hmm. uh, just those incredible tournaments. Talk about the level of hockey in those two tournaments, as opposed to even the NHL playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like you said, you know, best on the best, you know, and it's uh, uh, best players in the world, and those those tournaments were such a high level, you know, hockey that uh, uh, it was it was incredible. And when you looked around, you know, every team had like superstars on their teams, and just to be part of it was uh, was uh, amazing. And uh, you know, obviously we weren't successful we i think both both of those olympics we got eliminated in quarterfinals but uh yeah just to be able to compete against you know those top teams canada you know russia sweden finland us you know it's uh it was incredible and uh you know to be uh you know able to say that i was you know participant at the olympics at the best you know tournament there was you know, in the day is, is incredible and something I'm so proud of for sure. Yeah. And I remember 2010, I, not to bring up bad memories, but I, I remember, I think it was Finland that you guys played a very tight game against. Mm -hmm. I think Finland got a late goal and then an empty netter. Uh, I think Thomas Vokun was your goalie and Thomas Vokun and Kipper saw for real good in that game. As I remember, is that, is that something sticks out in your memory? Sorry. Again, sorry to bring a painful memory a little bit, but no, yeah, it is, it is a little painful, but, uh, you know, Finland back then they had a really good team, you know, uh, Timu, Timu Selani and, uh, Saku Koivu and, uh, Kipper Sofinet and so many other superstars from NHL. And, uh, I, from other, yeah, it's, it's a painful memory, but I remember that game, uh, you know, we actually played really good game. You know, I think we had more chances than them, and we, you know, it was it was a good game. And I think it came down to, uh, you know, it was a zero zero game late in the third, and uh, we shut the we shut the puck over the glass, and we got delay of game penalty. You know, in our zone, and they scored on the power play. That was the difference maker, and they scored empty netter. So to lose on a call like that, you know, when somebody shoots puck over glass in in their own zone and gets too many delay delay of game penalty it was that was harsh you know and that was that really hurt that that really hurt and that's that's tough memory to lose like that at uh you know at the biggest tournament there was and is that something you discuss with your teammates you know when you come back you have so many of your teammates that are playing for a couple of the other countries there is that is there some good-natured kind of back and forth or is it kind of too painful when you don't win the gold medal and you don't want guys bringing it up at least not right away Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we didn't really talk about that moment, but like uh, leading up to it, like uh, you know, I uh, few, I had a few teammates playing for other countries, like so maybe going before the tournament, like we were just joking, you know, uh, like let's see what after we play you guys, like we'll should make some bets, you know, and stuff like that. But then it's you know, it's it's usually you know, it's it's only you try to do your best, you know, you stay 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 in the zone and try to do best for your team and you know you don't you don't 
when it's on the ice, you, you play hard no matter who you play against or who's on the other side. And even if it's your teammate from NHL team, you still, you know, you still have to play hard no matter what it, what the situation is and do what's best for your team. And just to kind of bring it full circle a little bit. Well, I, you know, as a quick aside, I'm, I'm a Buffalo fan. My father's from the Buffalo area. Dominic Koshik uh-huh. was my guy. I was a goalie. I used to skate after guys on the breakaway like him. Referees really didn't like that. And uh, <laughs> growing up near Pittsburgh, getting to see Yager live and you know watching it on television when they won their first two cups, those are obviously two huge players that come out of mm-hmm. the Czech Republic. And you uh, got to finish your career playing a couple of years in the Czech League um, yeah. with probably a lot of ex-pros. And um, I, I'm sure there's a lot of national pride in that, being able to go to around to the towns in the Czech Republic and mm-hmm. uh, play in front of uh, your fellow countrymen for a couple of years. So talk a little bit about uh, those last uh, two years, I believe, in the Czech League. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I still felt like I have a little bit of hockey left in me and I really, you know, like to play. I, I like the game and, uh, and you know, uh, I never really got to experience, you know, playing, you know, in, in Czech because I left when I was 17 and I never got to play, you know, that professional league over there. And, uh, so when, when my career ended here in, in NHL, uh, my contract expired with the Coyotes, uh, I still wanted to play and, uh, decided to go overseas and, uh, started playing in Czech, uh. You know, uh, it was a cool experience. Uh, it was obviously tough because my my wife and kids stayed here because kids were going to school in the U.S. So they I went on my own, but uh, I kind of went late. So I only, you know, played half a season the first year and maybe three months the second year, second season. So it wasn't I wasn't gone for too long. But, you know, even, you know, if you have kids, you know, that if you're gone for a week, that's, that's a long time. And, you know, I, uh, you know, body started to break down and everything was hurting me and I just wasn't the same player I used to be and you know being on my own there you know I was missing my kids and you know my wife and uh it wasn't easy but uh you know the love of the game was still strong and uh I love to I love to compete and uh, uh you know play in my home country you know before I retired it was something that uh, I really wanted to do and uh so yeah it was uh, it was a good experience it was cool and uh uh, you know, uh, I'm glad I, I got to do it. Definitely. And, uh, before we wrap up here, something I like to ask everybody who's on the pod here, because this is geared toward a little bit toward the youth hockey and the junior roadrunners that we got that I hopefully you're listening. So talk about some of the things you remember or a really good youth hockey memory that you can recall when I ask you the question. Oh yeah. It's, uh, I, you know, from I just remember like the, the the group of kids we had and how much fun we had together and you know being together all the time. Like I mentioned, uh, uh, there's so many you know tournaments we went to and you know playing against you know teams from bigger cities. We always you know were the underdogs, but we uh, we never you know gave up and we actually you know beat them at the end. We were one of the best teams in in the whole Czech Republic. You know being from a small town and we were so proud of it. And, uh, uh, you know, it was something that, you know, sticks up to me and all those memories. And even, you know, we had a good group of parents, you know, everybody get along and, uh, always like spending time together. And, uh, it was, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. I think from, you know, from 
childhood and even in the, in the winter when when the little pond froze like we would go and we would play you know on the pond you know kids against parents and like you know stuff like that it, you know that sticks out and uh yeah it's just uh just fun to being around around those guys so it's uh, just like the friendship and uh you know that's that's probably the best best memory I have because, like, like I said, we still are good friends till this day with most of the guys that I grew up with playing hockey, and uh, so those, those are great memories and something we can always uh, uh, talk about and have a few laughs uh, over over some good Czech beer. You know, when we are in the summer somewhere, sitting on the patio and just hanging out. For sure, and you know that's always the answer, and I know it is for me too. It's you know, yeah, you, you, you remember some of the big wins, you remember some of the big losses, but it's still just showing up every day with your buddies and even, even yeah. someone like me who played high school hockey. And that's as far as I got. And mm-hmm. yeah, even now still friends with all the guys I grew up with and, you know, lifelong friends. And you talked about it there and you talked about it earlier, how you still in touch. And, um, when you go home, it's still the same group of guys that you were even growing up with. And that's again, the universality of hockey and something that we try uh, to do now as coaches and to try and cultivate that, that those same kind of relationships and those same kind of feelings in the youth hockey kids in Arizona that we had growing up in Ohio and in the Czech Republic. So, mm-hmm. all right, Zabinik McCulloch, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. And I had a lot of fun recording it and hopefully we'll see you around uh, the rink again real soon. And, you know, maybe one of these days we'll have a barn down in Tucson and you'll be bringing your kids down there to play against the junior Roadrunners again. Can't wait. That would be awesome. And uh, thanks for having me on your podcast. Good luck with everything with your podcast. Good luck with the junior Roadrunners. Good luck to you guys. And uh, hopefully the rink opens up soon for you guys. And uh, like you said, wish you all the best. And hopefully, you know, soon enough uh, when you guys have a rink down there, We'll come down and play you guys. So uh, I'm sure I'll see you around at the rink. And, uh, you know, thanks again for having me. You are very welcome. And there we go. Zabinik McCulloch, 784 games in the NHL. That's episode six of the Tucson Hockey Podcast. And we will see you all next time.